The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. You know, sometimes I like to give a little shout-out to that Big Game Boomer account on Twitter. And sometimes we just like mocking it. Yeah, well, it's been showing a lot of love to K-State recently. The last one I remember seeing that I really liked was, you know, Deuce Vaughn being like the best running back returning this season over B. John Robinson, which is the way it should be. However, now this Big Game Boomer fool comes out with a list of the nicest college campuses, breaks it down by conference, and has K-State dead last. I've been to every campus in the Big 12, and I can tell you, K-State is not dead last. There's a campus in Norman? There is. Oh, okay. It's okay. I, I thought all they had was the football stadium and the basketball arena, honestly. so. No, they have buildings. Oh, okay. They have sidewalks and dorms and... Oh, that's impressive. And a place to go eat and park your cars. Isn't that Not about the... many. Is, I, I was going to say, that's those things are rarities in Oklahoma. Oklahoma State also has a campus. <laughs> it's okay. Paved roads? What? Oh, anyway. TCU's is pretty good. Yes, I would agree, but ba- you would expect so given the neighborhood. Baylor's solid. Okay. KU is what it is. Texas Tech is, you know, like the city, just a dump. Just a dump. Where the wind goes whipping down the plane. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) to to borrow Oklahoma. Now, the best trip I did take through a campus I thought was Texas. Texas was a fun walk through Mm -hmm. the campus, and it's pretty nice. But K-State is not anywhere close to dead last. I I don't really care for Iowa State's. You know, it's okay. It's generic. Yeah. But K-State's better than Iowa State. There's no doubt about that. I guess when I say I've been to every campus, I haven't been to West Virginia's. Okay. But I don't know if you have, but I can... Very little of it. Very little of it. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. Sage Williams, she's been with us all week long, and she'll also be with us pretty much all week next week as well. Now, Sage, it's when, when's your last day? Because I know she's leaving us this summer. I mean, it's it's the end of July. My lease ends on the 26th. Um, so you're homeless for a month? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to live with my brother for a couple of days. But I'm then sorry. I'm moving out to uh, Kansas City, I think, in August. No, wait. Do you know her brother? It's just kind of a... <laughs> they may <laughs> really like each other. A, a, like, it was I just like a general... Brother. In fact, I'm going to be living with my sister in Kansas City, so I'm living with both of them mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. point. <laughs> now, you're 22? Yes. At your age, there's no way I would have been living with my sister. <laughs> we weren't close at that point like we are now. Well, the thing about my sister and I, we lived in the same room for 16 years, basically from when I was a baby to when I was 16 years old, and we did not like each other for those 16 years. We like each other now that we have lived away from each other for several years. In Man, that's tough, having to share a room with your especially during teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> I got a tour of the house that Monica's family lived in before they moved into the big Victorian. There were barely four bedrooms in the place, and it's a family that had six kids. 
That got interesting. Yeah, it can be interesting living with uh, three other siblings, and both of us were sharing. My brothers, they love each other. They, you know, they shared a room, and they were great, my how sister many, and I. How many brothers and sisters do you have? So I have two brothers, one sister. So okay. there's four of us. I mean, you essentially had a common area about where the staircase is that had beds. It, it Unofficially, I mean, you know, it just got turned into a bedroom because <laughs> they needed the space. I luckily, after the age of five, did not have to share a room with my sister. Had my whole my own room, begged for my own TV, and I got that when uh, the N64 came into play. I was a pretty lucky child. I had my space, unless I got in trouble. Freshman year of high school is when we finally were able to move into the basement, and we had what amounted to a divider between the, the two of us. One door to the room, but it was the divider between the two of us that that was closets and desks. I always thought it was just next level cool, like living like a king when a house had a finished basement. <laughs> I thought that is next level living. It took until after I graduated from high school for the basement to get finished. I have never lived in a house other until I went to college. Second place I lived in in college I had a finished basement, and that's where I stayed because it stayed cool down there. Mm-hmm. I loved. I want that. And uh, although I did find a giant rat down there one time, okay, and it took about a month to get rid of it. No, that's the thing, because my family house has a basement. I never wanted to live in the basement because I didn't like spiders. There mm-hmm. are a lot mm-hmm. of spiders down there. Yep. Can understand that. But never had a finished basement until I moved out of the house. My parents still live in the same house that I lived in when I was eight. Mm-hmm. They're still there. My dad remodeled the whole thing. He built a garage, a shop. He put a bar in that garage. But it's in Morganville. I mean, there's nothing there. I couldn't live in a small town like that anymore. There's uh, no way. It's why when I came to college, I essentially didn't go back home for much. Uh, I did not go back for any of the summers. I stayed here in town because I could accomplish things here and add to my paycheck by being here, and add to my bank account by being here, and Circleville is all of 150 people. Do you know who's going to be coming here next year? Did you hear? Like, as in their lease begins July 1st of 2023? Cincinnati. And Houston. And, and UCF. UCF. Now, when I say here, I mean joining us here, as in the Big 12. That no, that news broke earlier today, which is not the most shocking news or anything. We knew roughly what the timeline was, but now we have a specific date. They're calling it an early exit of the American Athletic Conference and July 1st of 2023, so just a year and a half of a month, or like two-thirds of a month, is when those three teams, along with BYU, will be showing up. And what it did was start the dominoes to fall in place for the next step, and that was for the Conference USA teams that are moving over to the AAC to now know when they're moving in to that conference. And I'll be honest, I think the American is adding a solid crop of programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not all to me, and I'm when I think on those terms, I'm thinking, of course, football. They're not all solid, but UAB... And ever since they came back after being completely shut down, they've done really well. They've been successful. And got a stadium out of the deal. Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, UTSA, all joining from Conference USA to the American. And uh, that leaves Conference USA kind of treading water at this point. New Mexico State. Yeah. 
UTEP. I mean, really? So even though Texas and Oklahoma leaving, the Big 12 still going to, I think, remain solid as a Power 5 conference, in my opinion, adding the four programs. Maybe you can also argue, you know, the American. They'll be just fine with the teams they are adding. Now, here's the details of Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF leaving the American. They will each pay. That was a little bit confusing earlier with some of the articles that were out there. Mm -hmm. They will each pay $18 million to exit the American. The schools had been paying a $10 million exit fee with four annual payments through 2024. And they agree to pay an additional $8 million spread over 12 payments from 2025 to 2036 to leave in 2023. It's an interesting technical move in that, yes, in the grand scheme of things, it looks like that you're paying more when it's all said and done. But number one, is the AAC still going to be around to get those payments by the time that that contract expires. Well, and it's not like question. it's not like taking out a loan for a car. There's no interest rate. True. On this. True. Yes. So, yes, you're paying more, but you're gaining more in that you've got the access now to the Big 12. I mean, we could talk money, we could talk those kind of details, but I think the next question that people want to know out there is now okay, we just learned just a few days ago on how the Big 12 is going to now schedule basketball with these four teams in a mm-hmm. 14-team uh, conference, and it's the SEC model, but now how is football going to be scheduled? Mm-hmm. Because you have 14 teams, and you have just 12 games. Round Robin is done Correct. after this season. Absolutely. As we assumed. And it has to be. I just hope divisions won't be coming back. That that is I, for some reason to me, or from what I've understood, just from reading reaction from people and what they want, that people still feel like divisions is the way to go. Listen, everybody's going to be ditching divisions. It's all about giving yourself and your conference the best possibility at a wonderful resume and the best shot possible of making the college football playoff. And you don't want to find yourselves in a, in a place where you, know, you may be a spot on the outside looking in. You're the best team in the conference, but now you're playing the third best team or the fourth best team in the conference for a championship because they're the champions of their division. Pac-12. Yeah, the Pac-12 was the first. Has traditionally been in that, in that bind because you've had – Good programs out of the north of late, and the south has been a dumpster fire. So to me, that's the way to go. Divisions, you can also argue, like, as a K-State fan, you know, maybe you could look at it this way as, well, you know, the Cats, you know, they haven't had a chance at a championship since 2012, but maybe if there were divisions, the Cats could win the North Division and play Oklahoma for a championship. Mm-hmm. Where when you play the round robins and the top two teams get in, K-State hasn't had that opportunity. One of the things that stands out to me about the recent move to rid conferences of the divisions is that it is, it's an interesting trend away from 
basically just what had been assumed had to be done. The WAC being 16 teams back in the day, uh, you know, started this where it was 16 teams and it was eight teams per division. The Big 12, when it formed, followed suit. The SEC at expansion time followed suit. Everybody just felt that you had to have divisions to be able to in- ensure that the rivalries took place. But in the pack, in the uh, Big 12, they made the mistake of you eliminated Oklahoma and Nebraska. That was one big problem. And of course, you know, the, the schedule model that will take place with the two years, there's 14 teams. Again, that's just lasting two years. Things will be much simpler, mm-hmm. as in they'll probably schedule the Big 12 like it's divisions. But for those two years, it's going to be more like pods, where K-State will definitely play Iowa State and KU in those two years. But the other, oh, you know, six or seven games they'll play in the Big 12 could differ those two years. One year they'll play BYU, one year they might not. But we don't know that yet. Just as an interesting thought, why not keep pods when it goes to 12? You'd have four three-team pods and be able to... Uh, maneuver them around so that you've got different matchups on the schedule. I'm not against that. I'm totally fine with the pod model. I was even uh, mapping it out in my head earlier today of where one pod I would definitely like to see is Baylor, TCU, and BYU. Let them settle it every year on who's right. (laughs) SMU's waiting for the invitation over here. (laughs) Of course, K-State, Iowa State, KU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. West Virginia, Cincinnati, and UCF can be their own pod. Oh, you see, and right there is a great thing for West Virginia. You've got Cincinnati now along for the ride. And then you have Oklahoma State, Houston, and Texas Tech. That's not bad. Because I told you earlier, I told you uh, maybe last week that I think if any natural rivalry is going to grow out of this, it's going to be Texas Tech and Houston. Mm-hmm. It's a valid point. All right, let's take a timeout. Still to come in hour two, we'll talk some K-State football, also Nebraska football, because that rivalry, of course, is brewing up once again because, oh, Adrian Martinez has been really entertaining because uh, he wants to win. <laughs> he wants to win, and, you know, to get those points out, it's hard to do it without burying your old school. Flamethrower engaged. Sam Honeybuns will have a movie preview. That's coming up at the end of this hour, but coming up next, really appreciate Tyler Lockett for his words earlier today on Twitter. That's next. <laughs> We're back to the game. Troy, did you ever have a crush on a teacher growing up? No. Not young enough. I don't know if I would call it a crush, but remember like in sixth grade, a teacher had a kid or baby, <laughs> and uh, there was like a uh, interim mm-hmm. teacher for a moment for like, uh, boy, it was a couple months it felt like, and uh, young, right, attractive. I mean, all the boys in sixth grade had, uh, I suppose, had the hots for this one. But uh, no, I never really. Sage? 
Anything you want to admit? No, I was the only girl who never had a crush on any of the teachers. No. No, I can't say. Other than that brief moment in... uh, In sixth grade, looks like Virginia Tech just hit a home run off the fresh arm out of the bullpen for Oklahoma. Boom. Boom. So Super Regional start today, which we'll talk more about then in the next segment, but um, there's one game on right now. That's the Sooners in Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia Tech hosting, which K-State played there towards the end of the season. And uh, the Sooners were up 5 nothing. Now it's 5-4. to four. And I told Troy as the inning began, I was like, this is where uh, Virginia Tech comes back. Fly out and um, strike out. <laughs> and now Virginia Tech all of a sudden gets an error on the shortstop for Oklahoma and then responds with a two-run homer. Whatever it takes. All right, let's continue on here. Oh, I beg your pardon. I, I thought Texas brought in oh, – okay. I thought uh, – Texas. Oklahoma. I thought Oklahoma brought in a guy from the bullpen, but they stuck with the starter. Hmm. Interesting idea there. Tough call. Yeah, the starter is now at pitch 102, and is he about to strike him out? Nope. One and two. All right. Uh, Tyler Lockett earlier today. Before we get to Tyler, actually, I wanted to bring this up. I just saw this on Twitter as well. Um, Briley Moore played one season of tight end for K-State, the 2020 season. He had like three touchdowns. He missed just one game. He got speared in the back at West Virginia. Had to miss the next game, but uh, so he missed like a game and a half. He scored three touchdowns, 338 yards, and he was picked up as an undrafted free agent to the Tennessee Titans, but he didn't really get to do anything with the Titans during the summer last year because he tore his ACL. Mm, okay. But I'm now seeing for the first time some footage of Briley Moore working out with the Titans. So it's it's good to see him fully recovered, cutting. He can do it all. He's good to go. He's back in shape. I saw Kellos had the story the other day on B.J. Finney retiring. Yeah, B.J. Finney retiring, medically retiring. Mm-hmm. But he had a pretty solid pretty solid mm-hmm. season, made some cash, had yes, a couple of runs, even though the shorter one was much, or the second one was much shorter with right. the Pittsburgh Steelers. But yeah, he really dealt with some injuries there at the tail end of his career. But yeah, B.J. Finney no longer in the NFL. But Tyler Lockett is still in the NFL, and um, it wasn't too long ago that there was word getting out there that he might uh, get traded. Mm-hmm. But that never happened. Russell Wilson was traded, and he's now with the Denver Broncos, of course. But Tyler Lockett's still a Seahawk and um, a role model, to say the least. One of the most stand-up guys to ever come through Kansas State. But on Twitter... He opened up earlier today. Now, actually, I see this from ESPN. I went to Tyler's Twitter account earlier today and actually didn't see this, but ESPN does say it's via Twitter. And here's what Tyler said. Two years out of my seven years in the NFL thus far, I played through depression and anxiety and almost quit and had my best year. I played through trauma another year and had my best year. Moral of the story, just keep going. You never know what's waiting on the other side. Looking back now, I'm so happy I kept going. I'm a strong-minded person, and when faced with mental health situations, 
I tried to hurry up and fix it like if I got hurt and practice got treatment for a day and I'm good. But with mental health, you have to be real with yourself. It's easy to operate in life when you live through your strengths. But these past, excuse me, these last couple of years, I had to live and rely on my weaknesses to get me through. I've been more patient with myself than I've ever been. I had to learn on my mindset wasn't the only way. So first of all, thank you, Tyler Lockett, for speaking out about this because so mental health is something I've, I've never dealt with. I've been, and I consider myself lucky. I've never dealt with depression, anxiety. I mean, everybody is, in a way has kind of dealt with those things, but I, not to where it was at a serious level. I was able to get over it. And somebody in my shoes will never understand what those go through that deal with this on a regular basis, sometimes shorter or sometimes even longer, and deal with it for a very long time and struggle with it. I will never understand what those people go through because I'm not in their shoes. And Tyler Lockett is in a role model situation where people look up to him. He plays in the NFL. There are kids out there that want to be him. There are kids that own his jerseys, that go see him play or watch him on TV and look up to him as a hero. And not just in Seattle, across the country. And you know that when Tyler played here, there are a lot of kids that may be older right now, I'm sure older now, that are probably middle school, high school ages now and playing football. Looked up to Tyler Lockett. I love it when those have this kind of status speak out about their struggles because it reminds us that those in his situation, at his status, they're human too. And they can have those kind of problems. And they can work through them. So hopefully it gives those that deal with those situations, anxiety, depression, you'll hope that they can get through it just like Tyler did. Two things about it. The first is, is that I love that we are getting more and more open about our issues with mental health in this country as it pertains to especially depression and anxiety and the walks and in all walks of life. And that includes athletes like Tyler Lockett. That is something that I feel very deeply about in terms of I love the fact that people who are younger in this world are able to state and be able to make it clear that hey, we suffer these things and not feel that they're stigmatized for it. Hi, I'm Troy. I suffer from depression. I have suffered from depression since I was a teenager. I've been on medication since I was 28. It's part of the routine for me. Um, and it's still an embarrassing thing in my way of life or in my living life to even admit it in some cases. Because we were taught not to talk about it. We were raised that that was something that you kept quiet about. And have you ever gone through a situation where you did show your emotions and somebody told you, 
oh, that's all in your head. Just get over it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my emotions can be big. You know, it, it's interesting. A, a friend of mine and I were in a conversation about something that was occurring online this week in a, in a Discord chat. And she put it beautifully, and she said, I have big emotions. Boy, do I understand that. The highs can be great. The lows can be devastating. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, just the thought of even what has happened in the last three years in my life that have led to me sitting in this chair you know, you you can see it already here in my eyes. Sure, you you can see that uh, it still affects me deeply. What played out for me, job wise in Greeley, wound up cutting very deep. There are so many layers to that situation that I'm not even at liberty to talk about all of them, and it stinks because I would love. <laughs> I'd love to go Adrian Martinez on it. But it's then that matter of having to find the way to deal with it. And that getting up in the morning can be hard. And to do that when you're partly doing what you've dreamed of in your life, <laughs> and have that taken away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every day is is something different with it, to be perfectly honest. Every day is, is different because you're not sure what you're going to, uh, what your anxiety is going to do to you, what that depression is going to do to you. You don't know when something might just trigger you a bit. That's part of why the medication is so important. That's why therapy is so important. Um, well, let me just say, I, I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> and I, I've known you, for, how long have you been at the radio station now? Just over a year. I didn't know that about you. Mm -hmm. I just learned about that right now. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm impressed that you, you, you took this time to open up about that. Because, again... I mentioned earlier, as somebody who has never dealt with a high level of depression or anxiety, I can't relate to that. But I, I want to learn about those that do struggle with it and how hard it is so I can help, help me understand what you're going through. And like Tyler Lockett, he is rich. He is famous. When he comes back here for the Ring of Honor, he is going to get the loudest ovation. Mm -hmm. He will be cheered and loved. But still, even if you have all that or you don't, you can still go through these tough struggles. Depression doesn't care. Depression doesn't care what your financial status is. Depression doesn't care what your status in terms of celebrity is or isn't. Depression doesn't care about any of those factors. Those factors can play into your depression, but depression doesn't care about those things. 
Anxiety doesn't care about those things. Those just can be openings for that depression and that anxiety to enter into your life more. And that's why therapy is one of the strongest things out there. And I'll be perfectly honest, one of my best things in terms of therapy, sitting behind the microphone, this is what I want to do with my life. This is all I've wanted to do with my life since I was a kid. And again, speaking from a level of success, you're a successful broadcaster <laughs> and radio host. It still hurts that I'm not in a, in a D1 seat right now because I had it and it slipped away. That hurts still deeply yeah. at many, on many levels. And especially in the aspect that there were things that played out that while out of my control, um, became very personal, not via the school, but via people that I had to work with and, and worked closely with and did an awful lot for. And unfortunately that didn't, didn't, and right. But I didn't even get a, a true opportunity to even say goodbye out there. I was fired by phone in the middle of a pandemic. That first month was bad. Yeah. That first month was real bad. Because I'm sure that was a job that, how long did you have that job? 18 years. Yeah, I can't imagine. Another thing. Yeah. I, I've never experienced. Right. And I hope I don't. So, it, it, yeah, go ahead. Well, but again, and, and I, I hate that, you know, I'm even into that topic. Um, the fact of the matter is, is, is the more that we have the discussions and the more that we are able to recognize that that person next to you, it, it's part of why I say at, at the end of the morning, Jill, right now, I, I say, remember kindness, not cruelty today. Think of what that other person may go through. You don't know what they're going through every day. You don't know what they're dealing with in their life every day. You don't know what strains and stressors are on them or what their joys are every day. And we do a lousy job of that in many ways. We get insulated into, into our own lines of thinking. And it becomes easier to be harsh. It becomes easier to be rude. It becomes easier to just be centered on what's happening in my life that day. As opposed to remembering that that person that you're with, having a conversation with, that you're working in the office with, they've got the, their own things going too. And we need to be more cognizant of that. We all need to be more cognizant of that. Instead of, again, how... And, and, and I, I always have been amazed at, and I've heard the stories for so many years, you know, we talk about the greatest generation and what our fighting men did, especially in World War II. And I think of the, the ones from Vietnam. And I think of the ones from Korea. And how much of that that they held inside upon their return to the United States. And many of them held inside for the rest of their lives without even talking to their own families about it. We've hidden a lot of mental illness in this country. or in, And I hate to even call it illness. 
we've hidden a lot of mental health matters in our lives in this country because we got it in our heads that you don't share those things. That's personal. That's just you. And they became embarrassing or ridiculed or something for people to mock and insult. You know, we're in the midst of this conversation about gun safety in this country. And I don't discount the discussion about mental health in that discussion. It has a role in the discussion. It does. Unfortunately, we try to make that whole thing too black and white, mm-hmm. that it's either the guns or it's this. No, there, there, there's a catch-all there, and we need to recognize that. But mental health is a part of that. And being able to understand and treat people right in life, in your day-to-day, and understand that they have things going on in their own life outside of what you may see, because they may not be sharing it because they're too embarrassed. Well, again, thank you again for uh, opening up about that. Did not know that about you. Wasn't planned. (laughs) No, it wasn't planned. I know. And it caught me by surprise, but again, I, I, I brought up Ty Lockett. I brought up his words to hopefully, like, people, I, I could just spread the word. Hopefully, me sharing his message would influence some people. And I think you you took that and, and made it much better and bigger for this audience. So thank you again for doing that. And to, to wrap up the Tyler Lockett conversation, there was also a video short, uh, shared by uh, Corbin Smith and uh, he showed vi- he put out some video of Tyler Lockett throwing a football to the corner of the end zone, maybe trying to replace Russell Wilson. <laughs> let's let's focus on the pocket passing first before the rollout. <laughs> He's trying. I actually think he could probably just tighten up the spiral a little bit. He, I think he could, be all right. he could get some tips from Michael Bishop. Maybe run the option. Well, I remember when Jordy Nelson threw a touchdown pass. In the Auburn game, but of yep. course he, you know, played a little QB in high school. Yep. All right. When we come back, uh, man, the funniest thing <laughs> today comes from a super regional hosted by East Carolina. That's coming up next. Super regionals are underway, as there are four game ones today. Four game ones tomorrow, along with four game twos. And uh, both Big 12 teams that are at a Super Regional have played or either playing right now. And Oklahoma leads 5-4 to four in the bottom of the eighth in Blacksburg, Virginia. Or you're, you got a better advantage. Yeah, it's still 5-4. Is, is, it, is the inning over? No, okay, now yeah, I see they're it's updated. In, yeah. So they're going to the ninth. And Oklahoma's the road team, so they'll both bat. Correct. So there's again. still a chance there for Virginia Tech, yes. But the Hokies are are working their way back. They're down 5 nothing, and now it's a one-run game. Meanwhile, man, what an event took place <laughs> in Greenville. East Carolina hosting Texas, game one of their Super Regional, which how about that? The Pirates hosting the Texas Longhorns. Got to be the, the biggest baseball series in that program, in that stadium's history. Well, for the for – the- Regional, they had North Carolina in the field there. Yeah, this one's bigger. So I'm, I'm just saying in general, they, yeah, they've, they've had, had a parade of it here through these two rounds. So uh, this game is in the bottom 
of the eighth. Okay. And East Carolina leads by one run. So it's a tight game. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the highlight, right? Yeah, I have. Oh, it's my beautiful. God. It's, it, it's, it's beautiful. I'll hold off from, from naming what it is a reminder of. It's easy to just throw out a line like, what a Texas thing to happen. All right? <laughs> I think that's kind of cheap. Let's just say it's hilarious because it was Texas. There you go. So fly ball, left center field. Pretty much the warning track. And the left fielder, Dylan Campbell, is kind of on a, on a light jog into position. But flying over from the right side is the center fielder, Douglas Hodo. And, you know, in baseball, if you don't know, center fielders, they are the quarterbacks, right? They're, they're the ones in charge. They get the – if they call dibs, they get the ball, right? Mm-hmm. But it's clear that Campbell is going to be there first. He has the easier play. Hodo had to run much faster to get in position. But what Hodo does is as the ball is getting to Campbell's glove, jumping in front of Campbell was Hodo. The ball caroms off Hodo's glove and dips over the outfield wall for a home run. I mean, you could not script a wilder play for the home team to have the success, the road team be embarrassed, then what took place in Greenville. And then on top of it, it goes on to, they go on to win it 15 to 7. They turn that into a bigger oh, inning. Well, 13 to 7, but they had a five run uh, a five run bottom of the 8th inning because of this. Yes. It just an incredible thing to happen. And it happens to the Texas Longhorns, who are now down a game. It's one nothing in the series, best of three for East Carolina, who are trying to get to the College World Series. Now, Texas is a great team. A blunder like that isn't like them, especially this season. I mean, Texas, that was their 20th loss of the season, but they have 40, 45 wins. East Carolina is one game better than them this season. And they are the they are by far the best hitting team in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They, they are by far. I mean, it was a runaway. Most home runs this season were the Texas Longhorns. But, man, one blunder cost them big time. But it's going to be a really fun Super Regional across the board. I mean, Notre Dame and Tennessee is going to be really, really fun to watch, even though it feels like Tennessee, and they should get to the College World Series. They are the number one team, 55-7. and seven. And, yes, Oklahoma and Texas are the two representatives of the conference, I I get it. I hear you. Same thing in vol or er, volleyball, um, softball. Just a couple of nights ago, Texas and Oklahoma mm-hmm. battling out for a national championship, and Oklahoma doing what the dynasty does and wins it all. But what's really going to be fun, and I'm going to watch this series just because I think the atmosphere will be insane. Southern Miss mm-hmm. is hosting a regional against Ole Miss. So you have Ole Miss, and I told Troy this earlier in the in the office. It feels like Ole Miss will be representing like the north half of Mississippi, Southern Miss, of course, the southern half. But I'm sure Ole Miss has a lot of fans down there in Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. But that's really cool for Southern Miss to be hosting this yes. regional against an SEC in-state rival. That is going to be an electric atmosphere. Is it Hattiesburg? Yes. 
Are you 100% sure I look it up? I am. It's okay. Hattie's Bird. Okay. Because LSU also was in that regional last weekend. So they had Jeez. they had the – yeah, exactly. You talk about two huge weekends right there. By the way, did you see how um, how Ole Miss – or I'm sorry, not Ole Miss, uh, Stanford and Texas State, that, that regional, how that closed out that game? I did not. I mean, Texas State ran out of pitching. I mean, they were on fumes. But they took a lead in the top of the ninth inning. They were up two runs. And it looked like – they're going to escape Palo Alto with by getting to the mm-hmm. Super Regional. Stanford first pitch at the bottom of the ninth, home run. Next oh. batter, home run. They tie it up and they end up walking it off in the bottom of the ninth. Like so, history was almost made, and then Stanford comes in and just ouch takes it away from yeah, them in rip, the bottom of the ninth. Rips your heart out. Yeah, it was, in, it, but it was really fun to watch. And I've been to that ballpark. Stanford already has a tough time. As a matter of fact, I was at Stanford when the pandemic started. Because K State baseball was right. there, mm-hmm. and they were just then starting to put like they put messages on the video board. COVID nineteen, um, we have limited capacity to twenty five percent. That's where it really not like there specifically, but I was there when COVID nineteen started to become a pretty serious mm-hmm. situation, and things started to get shut down. Because I, I think it may have been the next weekend or maybe two weeks later that Eastern Michigan was going to visit, and that's when it all stopped. Right. But I remember first hearing about it because a Stanford um, – I think, I think it was a teacher, but I'm not exactly sure, but somebody from the Stanford faculty got COVID. Ooh. And that's where Stanford's like, all right, we better start taking this seriously. Let's limit <laughs> – let's limit how many people are going to start attending our uh, our ball games. And I remember the the video board messages. I was like, "Is this really a big deal?" I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. two weeks later, yeah. Rudy Gobert says yes. All right. Um, I tell you what. To kick off hour number two, we'll get Sam Honeybuns in his movie preview. We'll let that kick off the hour, and then we'll get into some uh, Adrian Martinez, K State football, Nebraska football, number one song that they ask us anything. All coming up. Hour two of the game is around the corner. Your local news is next.